And welcome back to Sports Avenue, where we discuss hot topics in the world of sports. I'm your host, Jimmy Simonis, and for the interim, I'm going to be hosting on my own, as Steven and I have been struggling to match schedules, and we're just not being able to get things done. So for now, I'm just going to be doing the podcast on my own, just so we can work through and keep going, because we don't want to stop this. We felt it was best to keep continuing and keep doing this as we continue to grow and establish ourselves as a sports media brand. So to get started, I'm going to plug in all social media at the end of the show, and I'm going to put it in the description below. So right now, we're going to dive into some of my favorite baseball players this year, mainly rookies, just because they've been lighting up the, the, the scene of MLB this year. So to start, we're going to talk about, you know, the simple Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I mean, how can you not like this guy as a baseball fan? The way he swings the bat ever since he got called up, the way he hits, the way he plays the game, it's so nice to watch. He's hit 14 home runs for an average of 274. I mean, he's hitting very efficiently. He's hitting with power. He's doing everything you would expect to as a rookie. Granted, he's had a couple mistakes and whatnot, but still, I mean, he was actually able to battle Aralis Chapman for like 13 pitches. I mean, that's a guy throwing 100 miles per hour in the strike zone, jamming your hands, and he's still battling for that long. I mean, that's rather impressive. I mean, there's not much to say besides the fact that he's going to be a star. You can just see it, the way he plays, the way he defends. He's a great defender as well. He's got a better bat, but again, he can still glove. He can eventually, he'll probably just be a DH, but man, he can really stick it in the, the hot corner as well. Next, my, I'd probably arguably say my favorite rookie this year is Fernando Tatis Jr. He's got a great name, along with the fact that he had a great year. Granted, he did get hurt. You know, it, it's going to cut him his year short, but man, he can, he can just flat out play the, the game how you want it to be uh, watched. He's very electric. He has a swagger to him that you just watch and you just love to you just love to see. He has like a swagger that reminds me of like Javier Baez and like Francisco Lindor. They're so smooth, they're so electric that you really just you just have to sit and admire because they just play the game how you want it to be played. That's what coaches want. They don't want to they just it's just it's such muscle memory for them. They don't think really. You don't see them thinking about anything. It's just they play the baseball game with such a passion and like a fire that it's just so nice to watch. Anyways, enough about bloating about Fernando. He's basically lit it up this year as much as everyone would expect him. I mean, when he was getting called up at spring training. He's, had, he's hitting at an average of 317 with 22 home runs. As your shortstop, that has to be really nice to look at, especially when you have that lineup because shortstops and second baseman both are looked as your contact guys, the ones that just get on base and they're, they run around the bases. But it's more transforming into a league that no matter what position you play, you can still hit, and especially you can hit home runs. That's what a lot of teams are looking for now. Or you just hit, I mean, if you strike out a lot, it doesn't matter. But if you can hit home runs, we'll, we'll pay you a lot of money. So along with hitting a 317 batting average, the only problem with him is that he did not provide a lot of run production for the amount of home runs he hit. 53 RBIs, not a lot. I mean, as much as you would want to see out of a, I guess more of your top tier hitters, but if you send towards the top of the lineup, he's you know there's no one to hit really besides your nine one two or your nine one whoever wherever he's at in the lineup. So I can understand that, but still, he struck out a little bit at 110 times. But again, I think that's more or less just him trying to adjust and due to him just trying to hit the ball for power. As his slugging percentage was 590, so hitting extra base hits, doing a lot more than just getting on base. You can definitely see that he's got the talent to be a five-tool player and be a star in this league if he can, you know, keep his injuries to a minimum. The next guy I'm going to cover is Ben, really the only rookie pitcher that's really impressed me this year, that at least I've observed. Let me know if you've had, if you've seen anyone that's impressed you as a rookie this year in the comments below, is Mike Soroka, because being a rookie, you're not expected, I think, to be an ace from the get-go, but he's shown that 
he's thrived as the ace, quote unquote. You know, having an ERA of 2.4, he's only had 107 strikeouts in the league where strikeouts are so relevant. They're so you see them so often now. It's just rather expected. He gets more of his outs on contact, more situational play, relying on the defense to make critical plays, which is rather different because this is more like 1990s with the you know Kofaxes. Baseball used to be when you think of Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, Max Scherzer, Clayton Kershaw, Madison Bumgarner, Corey Kluber, any of these pitchers that you know right now, they're throwing, they're hauling 200. Chris Sale, 200, 300 strikeouts a year. And he only has 100, and he might not even touch 200 by the year the, the season ends. So, again, being able to rely on your defense along with having good pitches, good situational, that's also having good catchers who understand the situations. It's really helped him thrive and succeed as an ace for the Braves. Cause, and he's going to be the ace going forward because they really don't have much besides Dallas Keuchel, who's been okay, average, mediocre at best. So going forward, I mean, it's going to be impressive to see how he continues to evolve as a pitcher because, again, the game is so different as he's only a, he's a contact guy. He doesn't throw for strikeouts. He doesn't overpower you with a fastball or a nasty curveball or a nasty slider. He's got a great slider. But still, you know, again, he would be—he doesn't have a lot of strikeouts, which is kind of an eye-glaring thing as a baseball fan because all you do is expect to see strikeouts now for almost any star pitcher. And he's only 21. You know, he's still young, so he still has time to develop, being able to develop his command, his movements. You know, eventually he'll probably improve as a strikeout guy. But for right now, he's definitely shown his place as a great ace for the Braves. Following Mike Soroka, we wouldn't be talking about great players and great rookies this year without talking about Pete Alonso. A guy that burst onto the scene. Everyone was questioning the Mets of how they were going to generate offense, considering that the offensive pieces that they had are kind of old, like Ioana Cespedes, who's not what he used to be, and they just did not have enough guys with enough firepower to win, especially with the star-studded pitching lineup that they have. So then you enter Pete Alonso, and he completely changes this lineup and gives something... It gives a glimpse of hope for this team to look, to look forward. Hitting 40 home runs, that's the most obvious thing you're going to look about at this guy. He's five RBIs away from getting 100 RBIs. You know, you're sitting here like, man, how does this guy do it? And, I mean, if you watch him swing, he has so much hip torque. And the way he uppercuts the baseball, I mean, you, it doesn't surprise me at all that the way he's hit home runs, and especially the way he's hit. I mean, he's in moonshots, and it's just it's been nice to watch a guy like that play. You know, especially as a rookie when you think, you know, again, it's an adjustment period. Setting themselves up for the future. Future. And he's coming in and he's basically just taking that, you know, shtick, that slogan, whatever, take your time, and he just threw it out the window. He wasn't even a premier prospect coming up through the minors. He really wasn't sought after, and then he comes on, they, the Mets needed a first baseman, obviously, and he's provided all-star, you know, elite potential at that position going forward, especially with the pitching they have. You know, I think he was one of the reasons why the Mets bought in and got Marcus Stroman, because they have, an, they have a possible offense anchored by Pete Alonso, because He's in at a 275 average with 40 home runs and 95 RBIs. He's got 25 doubles. Again, he's just kind of doing it all for the Mets on the offensive turn, you know, on the offensive side. They got some decent players around him, but he's almost their superstar. And if he continues to develop as a pure hitter, because he has struck out a lot, about a quarter of his at-bats have been strikeouts. So obviously that's a lot of concern, but the boomer bust potential right now as a rookie is there. So the risk outweighs the reward. So going forward, I would expect him to at least get more efficient with his at-bats and being able to generate contact, even if it's not a home run. Along with the fact he has a slugging percentage over 600, you really can't ask for much more for a rookie, not to mention as a player. It's like, yeah, Mike Trout has 42 home runs, so let's put that in perspective. Pete Alonso's fighting for a top home run trophy for the MLB. 
So again, he has generated, a lot of these guys have generated talent and production that you don't get for most veterans or most superstars anymore. And it's awesome to see that because it shows that the league has a very bright future, especially with this core of players moving up. Um, the last two guys I want to talk about, they haven't played all year. They've come up uh, during the second half of the season. I'm going to talk first about Bo Bichette. Most of his hits have been extra base hits. He's had five home runs. He has 12 doubles. So 17 out of his 29 at-bats have been extra base hits. You really can't ask much for more for these guys to come up and just light it up, especially against elite level competition, no matter what the team is. Granted, some teams may struggle like the Baltimore Orioles and give up over 800 runs already, but that's beside the point. But still, hitting at an average of 333, a slugging percentage of 644 within the time he's playing, it's amazing. I, You know, you just wonder, like, how does these guys, how do they play? And it's just awesome to see. And he has one of the more interesting stances because I've noticed that he likes to hit the ball, I, I believe, at least from what I've seen, a lot more to right field. He can also pull pretty well, but he also hits the ball pretty much all around, which is what I like about him. And he's got a nice swing. He has a lot of hip torque. I mean, he really uses his hips to get a good, a lot of power behind his bat. So, I mean... Again, looking forward between him, Vlad, Biggio, I mean, you really can't expect a bad team for the Blue Jays going forward. If they can get some pitching, you're really looking at a potential World Series contender for Toronto Blue Jays in the near future. Still some time because a lot of these guys are only 20, 22, 21. They say that these guys are World Series contenders, you know, two, three years down the road might still be a little bit too much. But four or five years when these guys are really hitting their primes, there's definitely something you can look forward to and that might be a guarantee. The next guy I'm going to talk about about is on the Cincinnati Reds. If you want to talk about lightning in a bottle and just straight out has taken the league by storm ever since August rolled around, you'd be talking about Aristides Aquino out of the Cincinnati Reds. After the Reds traded Yasuo Puig at the trade deadline, they had a hole at right field. No one had no one had any clue who they were calling up. Insert Aquino and you have one of the best rookie stretches, one of the best hitting stretches period in the game. He has the most home runs within a 12-game stretch in uh, MLB history. He's hit 11 home runs out of his 19 hits. I mean, that's just, it's its almost insane. It's something you would never expect to see out of just so many young guys to provide production at an elite level. Is it due to the fact that he's a rookie and no one has much film on him because minors, they really don't film much? It's like, I mean, no one knows. But these guys, they're playing at such high levels that you really can't expect more out of these guys. You know, he has an on-base percentage of 388. I mean, he has 22 RBIs already, and he's only he's only he's, ha, he's only had 60 at bats, so it, it's just it's crazy to me just to see how these guys are providing elite level production, especially at Aquino, because this is a tear to all to remember because you don't get guys that are just going to come up and hit 10 home runs within 10 games. You just can't expect that, you know. Even though the Reds are having a down here, he's definitely a hole at right field that was filled after Puig left. And I would definitely look and expect him to fill that void for years to come as the team looks to build for a younger, more for the more for the long run rather that than win right talk. Now. So now I want to dive into two series going into this weekend that I think are going to be critical and vital to postseason implications. Now the first one's going to be the Yankees versus the Dodgers in LA. That is a huge series. You're going to you're talking about two of the best teams in the league. Yankees are arguably the best team in the AL besides the Astros, and Dodgers have single-handedly ran the whole regular season. Have not struggled. Have haven't dealt with anything really. I mean, you have Cy Young contender, Cy Young chance to win. Hyun Jin Ryu having an ERA that's under two, and he's pitched all year. 
That's crazy. And the Yankees, again, my my biggest concern with them is that they're not going to have enough starting pitching to get through. James Paxton hasn't hasn't done bad this year. He wasn't like he was last year, but he's not you know certified ace like he was. Again, they, their starting pitching has kind of been their downfall. And against a Dodgers lineup that has been overwhelmingly insane and so powerful and so good all around, it's going to be tough to beat a team with Cody Bellinger as their best hitter going along with Justin Turner, Corey Seager. I mean, going down the list, they have little to no weaknesses at all. So that's going to be a good matchup, I think. Especially, it's going to show how good the Yankees' offense is because if they can get under the skin of Clayton Kershaw... Hyun Jin Ryu in their bullpen. You're talking, you know, the Yankees could be a legit contender this year, and that might, and this might show that they are capable of doing so. And going on to the next series, we're going to talk about the Washington Nationals going into the Chicago or facing the Chicago Cubs. This is one of my, uh, the Nationals are kind of like my one of my favorite teams, um, besides the Indians because I like the talent. I liked Bryce Harper, and I mean until he left to Philadelphia. Then I realized I really like this team and how they're set up. Having the young blood of Trey Turner, Juan Soto, Victor Robles. You also have Brian Dozier, Matt Adams, not to mention Anthony Rendon's the cornerstone of this team. And you have a three-headed monster at starting pitching with Scherzer, Corbin, and Strasburg. You also have Sean Doolittle as your bullpen, but that's really about it for bullpen. The Cubs, though, they're kind of in the same boat. They have a great lineup all around. They have some good pitchers. Hamels has had a pretty good year. Quintana struggled. Lester's still meddling. You know, he's doing all right. But the team's not great. You know, Darvish is getting his uh, his act together. He's had a better second half than he has first half. Kyle Hendricks is, you know, he hasn't done bad all year. He's only got a 3.37 ERA. So looking forward to this team or looking at the series as a whole, I personally like the Nationals more. Um, they've been hot the second half of the season, just like the Indians have. The Cubs, I don't know. I just feel like they've been underperforming ever since uh, 2016. There's just something about them that I just feel they can be so much more. I feel like, I mean, they could be like Astros level good just with all the talent that they have. You know, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Kyle Schwarber, Victor Carantini. I mean, there is so much talent throughout this lineup. Not to mention, you got, you picked up Castellanos from uh, Detroit. You have Javier Baez. I mean, Luke Roy was a, a waiver wire pickup. You know, Tony Kemp, Jason Hayward's your center fielder. There's not much bad about this lineup at all. So the see, it's just this team is just way too inconsistent, and I just I really want to see the Cubs do more because I feel that they are so much better than what they are capable of showing, or they're so much better than what they are showing to like, I guess the, than all the fans. So I think the Nationals. I think they can uh, go two and I think they can take two games out of this series. Um, I don't know. I, I feel more confident in the Nationals just because they've been the hotter team in the second half. So looking at it, I think you can go either way. But I think either team that wins this uh, the series, I think, has a great chance going forward into September as favorites to win their divisions or possibly squeak into the wild card. And that concludes the 30th episode of Sports Avenue. I would like to thank everyone that has been listening. Um, it means a lot to have viewers like you guys, especially you know as we grow. You know, you guys all mean a lot to us. Um, if you would like to stay informed, up to date with all our news, you can check out our Twitter underscore Sports Avenue. Um, Instagram is Sports underscore Avenue 440. 
Or if you would like to reach out to us or me, you can go to sportsav440 at gmail.com. We will get back to you as fast as we can. Um, I'm, I'm pretty updated with all my social media notifications, so I will try to get back to you as urgently as I can. Again, thank you. I appreciate all the support. We're going to work through these bumps and bruises along the road, but I enjoy doing this along with my brother, Steve. We really want to do this and hope you guys can uh, join us in this journey. Again, any ideas, any recommendations, if you want to discuss anything with me, or Steve in general, email us, reach out on social media. We would be glad to discuss anything with you. So thank you. Have a great week, everyone.